This is family like a ghost, and we're live on the Shanti Hershenson for the first time. Thank you for being on the show. How are you tonight? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine, and uh, I live in New Hampshire, so it's a little cold here. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's uh, I like the snow. <laughs> but um, to let everybody know, we're on Newsly. It's a uh, an app, so you can actually watch our listen to our podcast. We're a feature podcast on Newsly. So if you use coupon code Ghost, uh, you get one month free premium subscription. So you can stop scrolling and start listening. This podcast is on Newsly. Will be this episode will be on Newsly within an hour. So thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So you you're a published author, and you started. Um, when you were in the sixth grade, and you also like to write poetry, and uh, you're into a, a variety of genres like science fiction, fantasy, and historical fiction, but you say you mostly stick to sci-fi, uh, and you have have like an anti-bullying poem that we might want to get into. But so, where did you want to start with your writing? You you've already indicated in your bio that you started like when you were like sixth sixth grade. But um, what was your interest in writing? I think I've always been particularly interested in writing. Um, I have memories being very, very young and just wanting to write and being very interested in the idea of like being an author and how like everything worked. However, um, like my journey really started when I was in the sixth grade and the pandemic hit and I was stuck at home. I was bored. I was isolated. I was scared. And I turned all of those emotions into my first novel. And then once I'd written that first novel, it was so much easier just to keep going. Wow. So, so do you, did you self-publish or you get a publisher? Um, I self-publish. Cool. Yeah, that's a big, you know, I'm an independent musician and uh, that's kind of in the last five, six years, a lot of us have gone indie just so we can control it. Do you like the idea of being able to control what your cover looks like, what your, what your content is and just being able to own your own work? Is that like the primary reason to, to go independent? I think so. Um, being young, there are a lot of benefits to really being able to learn about how everything works. And given that hands-on experience, that's one of the things I like about it. I also, I love my book covers. And I mean, in the future, I do think I'm going to traditionally publish. However, right now it is nice to really have control over those covers and everything. Yeah. I mean, I think having the control of a whole project, you know, the art, artwork is big, you know, even in music, in the, you know, when we create with artists, I think that's why there is a resurgence in vinyl because then you can actually see the cover <laughs> yeah. versus like seeing it on a tiny screen. But like the, how you present your work, like the cover, I was talking to an author a couple of days ago and there's actually like a certain style that will, you know, reach readers. So did you have to research like how to do a cover so that people actually get drawn to your book? Or did you just say, well, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it? So I hire cover designers, so a lot of it is up to them. However, I usually present them with an idea. And that idea is what I think um, fits the book, but also what fits the genre. For example, I'm not going to have like a cute cartoon cover for a hardcore science fiction book. So there's like little things that do go into it. Um, however, ultimately, it is my choice. And I do really have to research per genre. Um, I found that mm -hmm. sometimes my books have like multiple genres. For example, I have one book that a lot of it does take place in 
our world and a lot of it also takes place in a fantasy world so it's like a fantasy novel and there's also elements of science fiction and for that reason um i chose to go with a cover that really has a fantasy feel to it but you can also infer mm-hmm. other things about it such as like the contemporary elements of the book so when you say fantasy i always put to mind like uh like lord of the rings J.R.R. token so is that the kind of standard like cover type of art would be in that kind of vein if you do something fantasy would be with that the, like the the like uh kind of the role i mean the, the the kind of ideal format is always you know everybody knows lord of the rings and the hobbit is that, is that what people call fantasy i'd say fantasy has many different subgenres and many different types of covers really it's such a broad genre that mm-hmm. one type of cover doesn't always work with every book um for me i like the covers with characters on them a lot of people don't um really fantasy um those kinds of covers i see a lot of them really focus on the text or an object and i really like the ones that focus on characters and have this sort of magical feel to them but of course that won't work for every single book because it's from the book yeah yeah so having a protagonist like on the cover rather than having like like some kind of idol or some kind of symbol or some sorcery type of, like if it's fantasy they it could be you know just stylized you know without the characters um yeah but yeah i think it's interesting that like the pandemic gave you uh, a place to actually you know, kind of dive deep into your art and i found the same thing with musicians were able to oh i'm gonna really do the project that i couldn't do because i was on a road so were there things that you were doing before that if the pandemic hadn't happened maybe you wouldn't gone into writing or you were always going to go into writing I think I was always going to go into writing. Um, when I was a little kid, I used to make these little booklets, and I used to um, say that it was like a dream of mine to write a book and probably be an author. So I'd say one way or another, I probably wouldn't have ended up as an author. However, I don't think it would have been so soon without the pandemic, and it maybe mm-hmm. wouldn't have been with the same books. Yeah, so did it really give you time to like flesh out your ideas? Because some people kept on, oh, I don't know what to do. I think what I've met a lot of creative people, like actors, writers, poets, people who are artists, and they seem to find things that they could do or dive deeper into their work. And um, yeah. and other people who aren't creative were like, well, I need to be with other people. And what I found like with artists, sometimes like having that private time to work on your work is like a golden thing for the creative mind. Is that Did you find that that really helped you? Yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, um, I'm not a very social person. I I am and I'm not. It kind of depends. So being at home kind of almost cleared my mind and allowed me to focus solely on my work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's something being a musician is like not having to travel. Like a lot of us, the only way we can really do well in our, our work is that we have to do shows just because the nature of the business, we don't get paid. But like if writing, I guess it's a different type of market because like you've got to get people to get involved, but it's not like an immediate reaction. Like if I do a show, I get an immediate reaction of whether or not people get what I'm doing. Your your reaction from your audience takes a little more time, right? (laughs) Yeah, marketing can be a very tedious process too. And it's like at first you kind of, just throw your book out there and see what works. But then after a while, I feel like it gets easy. At least once you kind of build a platform, as soon as you announce a book, I feel like you do get that immediate reaction. 
but it took probably about a year to actually build up mm-hmm. a solid fan base. Build up and uh, do you have to like do online? Like, um, I guess because you can't do like book signings as much, but you couldn't initially, and maybe you can now. Do you do like conventions and book signings and comic cons or fantasy cons, or is that how you market? I do now. Um, that's like one part of my marketing. It's weird. I have this whole, it's almost like, I feel like a web where it's like, I have all these different things I do in all these different categories. Um, but yeah, events are one thing I do. I did my first, um, virtual event in other than I used to do, go to open bike nights, but like my first actual like mm-hmm. author event was in April of 2022. And then my first in-person book okay. signing was actually in June of 2022. And then since then, I've done a few t- a few things, and I have um, stuff coming up. However, it did take a while to be able to do that. Do you try to stay, like, are you in, like, California? Yeah. So do you stay in California to do most of your marketing, or do you go out of state? For now, just because of constraints at school and everything, I do stay um, in California. However, I do um, maybe this summer really want to try to expand and go to different places. Mm-hmm. Like New York, or you try to get yeah. to the New York market, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or is is that something that you think you'd want to do? Is like, is, do you think you that would expand your market? Yeah, I think because um, one benefit I've realized to doing book signings in different areas is each area has their own almost local like scene, and they have local mm-hmm. newspapers and local social media pages and places that you can get posted. So, for example, when I had my first book signing in San Diego. I emailed every single like local newspaper I could find everybody. I sent probably 20 emails, actually probably more than that. It was a lot. It was very tiring. And I got a good amount of press for that event. And it's like, of course, now with another event that I do in San Diego, I won't be able to get as much press just because I've already been featured on those places. And some Mm -hmm. of them aren't willing to do things twice. However, say I go to like, I don't know, because you said it in New York, I mean, it's a very big city too. you know, email a bunch of places and then yeah. more press. Yeah, I got a lot of bookstores that you could hit. Like if you do a yeah. book tour there, you get a lot of places. It's kind of like for musicians, like there's so many clubs, you could just stay there for weeks, yeah. if not months to hit, try to hit them all or try to headline. And once you get a connection to one of them, then you're like the musicians, oh, we'll try to stay in that one. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, it's just interesting that that the whole dynamic of, of art that like, I think a lot of us are kind of into ourselves a little bit or, or not is, um, outward, like being a musician and a producer, I'm in, I'm in my, all my equipment working on projects. And, you know, I, I really kind of just deal with the art and I just want to work. And so it doesn't, you know, we kind of stuck in my studio <laughs> working on things, but I like, think you, you probably have the, how your ideas come to you or do you create like, like a series of books that are all tied together or you work on independent books that don't have any connection to each other? I am, I know a lot of people are kind of surprised by this. I'm very independent when it comes to my works. I have some books that are part of series and actually the majority of them aren't. I find a lot of fun in having like getting to create a new world each time and kind of starting from a blank slate. Cause for me, once, you know, I finish that first draft or second draft or however, 
when however when I decide to like take a break from that book because I have a weird writing process it's hard to get into but for example whenever I decide okay I'm done with this then almost having to go right to the sequel can be a little challenging because I'm tired I've already been in this world for a while and these characters and I actually like to kind of refresh and move on there are some books however that I've really just actually enjoyed being in those worlds so much they've been like all right time for the sequel and then there are other books that it's like I still need to write a sequel for do you find that if you create a series, do you get fans that keep on asking you when the next one's going to come out? I do. do, do, do they, gonna... Are the fans kind of who are into the series? I've heard that fans of books into series are kind of some of them want to wait until their whole thing's done, or some of them are just really anxious for the next one and are always asking when is it coming out. <laughs> yeah, most people like just as soon as it's out, they just eat it right up and it's insane for example i have um this book never dying right here and then it's sequel um never taken and never taken has been out for about two three four months maybe not very long um it's still a very new book it released in Mm -hmm. november actually like almost december it released on november 30th so I like I need to start the sequel but I ended that last book in a very interesting place so I have to figure out how to actually like you know how do I explain it like I have to figure out how to like pick things back up and figure out how I can get these characters out of the scenario and I have to do it at some Mm -hmm. point I'm just kind of lazy and everyone's like Shanti when's the next book coming out it's like I have so many more (laughs) planned releases that need to come out before that one well that's interesting you have a really strong drive to write where you're you're you've got like a bunch of things going on at once do you have like multiple projects kind of happening parallel or do you go from one to the next do you like work on multiple books at once i usually work on it's it's weird i say i work on one book at a time but that's not entirely true um i'm i say i'm always writing a book and i'm always editing a book sometimes i'm writing one book and editing two books because i have um books mm-hmm. in different stages so for example sometimes i have one book that i'm drafting another one that i'm doing like the second draft for and then like another one that i'm working on like final edits for okay yeah it's like so you got a lot of things going on i think musicians end up in the same kind of scenario we'll have an, a bunch of songs that are done other ones in demo state and then other things like like in in you know you know kind of pre-production or you you never know because you're working on things things just come out of the woodwork have you ever had a situation where you're working on something and then a new idea comes and then that that becomes like oh i want to do this instead i want to focus on that and then you just say well i'm, I'm going to go to this new whole set and I'll, I'll do the rest of the stuff later yeah, I tend to have, like, while I'm writing, it's usually about the midpoint of the book, or perhaps kind of like the later stages. There's always a point in every book I write where I'm like, oh, I'm so tired of this, but there's always still stuff I'm excited to keep writing with that book that I don't want to, like, I, I really cannot stop writing a book. Like, I have to do it. It's really fun. Um, Not really. It's kind of like, it would almost be better if I couldn't be stop writing books sometimes. Um, But, like, I just always have to finish the one I'm working on before I can start. So there's usually a point. It's anywhere between 30,000 words in, sometimes even 20,000 words in, to like 50, 60,000 words in, where I'm like, I'm so close to being done, but I don't actually realize I'm so close to being done. So I'm really far in, but I also feel like I have so much more to go, and usually I really don't. And at that point in the book, I start to have my ideas for my next book, and that's really a good thing. I'm really actually happy about the fact that I can just like generate new ideas like that. But those ideas are often very exciting. Um, If I think the idea is like really, really, really strong, 
and I really want to save it, I write it down, everything, put it aside and be like, okay, well, I'm going to do this next or mm-hmm. whatever. If there's something I really, really like, really like about it, but it's also like, it's more generic, I might try to incorporate it in the book I'm writing. That's actually a tip for like more earlier on, because if you're like really late in a book and you're like, I want to do this and something like really, really big, that's like for kind of something to introduce in the beginning of the book, that can be kind of difficult. Um, but that's like one strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, uh, the creative process, uh, that you actually just want, you want to complete. So you don't want to like go and jump and put it on the shelf or some musicians sometimes they can be working on something and if something new comes, they'll just drop the whole other project. They'll just say, oh, this isn't it anymore and just shelve it and actually start something else because they think, oh, this new thing is really it. And it's, yeah. it, you know, it can happen all different ways. To that actually happening a lot with musicians where you you if you were in the middle of something you want to finish it you you don't want to say well i'm gonna drop it i'm gonna you, you want to complete your thought right yeah because like the problem with writers is the writing in book and then they get super excited by the new idea and they abandon the old idea but then what happens when like a new idea comes along and it ends up becoming the sort of pattern of like only writing maybe half a book or even less because um this like new idea comes along and there was ways around that. I feel mm. like that's the biggest reason why people, one of the biggest reasons why people don't finish their book is because they get distracted and they move on. So you think that having that focus helps you actually get to completion and you you're, have so many things that you've completed. You've got a good strategy where you found a way to be productive. Yeah. That's cool. Which I think it's always important because you get people like, oh, they'll be working on, a, on an album for like five years because <laughs> they, yeah. they just can't get it done it's like well you, it's like you you want you have a, an end point and you know how to be effective and efficient in terms of like you want your idea to be flushed out but you're not gonna rush it you're gonna just basically i think people say like serve the song so you want to serve your book right you want to yeah. make sure you give put everything into your book that's gonna actually serve the the full concept of your 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 story right yeah now, do you use editors or your friends to help you? Or have you been able to, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I have a writing coach who doubles as my editor. Oh, that's cool. Because I've heard people have sometimes like writing groups and then they can work with the group and then they get group opinion. But if, if other people have trusted people who are their editors or they're just a, like a trusted uh, friend that always gives them good advice. And did you initially have that kind of support when you first started writing or did you like find out how to get to that? I had to find out how to get to that because at first I was like completely alone. I'm Ryan. I emailed my first chapter of my first novel to my teacher at one point. It was really cool. I got some feedback. Um, the thing is like feedback is really scary and I find almost that having big mm-hmm. groups of people can almost be not as good. I really, I think at some point I'm going to have a whole beta reading group. However, for now, um, my worry is a lot of my followers and my main target audience is pretty young. So those are the people that I want reading my books. I think my books are targeted anywhere from like 12 to 18, so like teenagers. And while teenagers can mm-hmm. be very good for um, beta reading books, I also understand that like, you know, we have school, we have a lot of stuff that can come in the way of that. So at this point, you know, getting um, like critique from my target audiences is kind of difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And like adults can also give like very good feedback and can be good critique partners. But it's also like they and I do yeah. think like adults do enjoy my books quite often. 
but also teenagers is that main group where it's like these are how like the characters are audience. these are like what you're going to understand yeah. yeah so the thing is if you get somebody who's like i don't know 33 28 and your core audience is like in that teen group they might not get they might try to make you, you know, really, they're trying to target you toward like 30 year olds. And yeah. it's like, well, if your core audience isn't 30 year olds, you don't need to target it or change anything to kind of get to that audience, right? So it, it would be helpful for what you're doing. It would actually be counterproductive, right? Yeah. And like a big problem too is like um, people who aren't a part of a, tar a target audience tend to complain. For example, I had someone complain once the characters are too immature. And it was an adult, and these characters are, of course, 13 and 12 and 13. It's like they have to be immature. That's how they need to grow. And it's like That's a teenager <laughs> isn't going to have that same, like, response because they're going to understand, like, this is how people that age are, and this is how they're going to grow. So you're relating. You're making relatable material. Like, you know, if you have – you know, if you have a certain type of music that's relatable to a group of people, they can say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. But, they, you know, within that community, within that that genre, it makes sense to people. You know, yeah. EDM music makes sense to EDM people. If you go say, well, a pop music person, well, I don't see the hook. Or I don't see this and I don't see that. Well, that's not, you don't see it because you're, you're not into that genre. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you, it's good that you understand your audience and you didn't get pulled away from your direction i think that's the cool thing about like do it yourself or kind of like in and people who are independent minded you get to create your work and then it can start to stand in the world and in what i've seen with independent work uh, from people to being poets and painters and everything is like, a lot of people sometimes won't will never present because they're trying to match something else and yeah. what I like about people who are very creative will take the risk that the work they've done is actually going to find a target audience because it will speak to somebody and then they will start to build. You don't always have to, to mirror somebody else that's already successful. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, are there people that, that inspired you? Are there certain artists that, I mean, like writers that you were inspired by? Not that you're trying to like mimic them, but like they gave you uh, uh, like your aesthetic or maybe they feel you, you're, you're, uh, I guess you're influenced by them. There's definitely a lot of different people I can think of, um, mainly authors of books I've read when I was like very young, particularly in like elementary school, because those are the books that ended up shaping my preferences as a reader and as a writer. Um, other mm -hmm. than that, it's like, it's so hard to give a specific answer because there's so many people I could list. Um, Star Wars is one of my favorite things growing up and it still is one of my favorite franchises. And because of that, I feel like I've been very influenced by like the aesthetic of space and how like complex mm -hmm. and really interesting some of the characters science are. Fiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was like my introduction so to science fiction. <laughs> so more of a Star Wars person than a Star Trek person? Yeah. Or just Star Trek? Because <laughs> some people are like more i'm like i'm a child of the 70s so t star trek was kind of before star wars but i still was there in 77 76 when it showed up and it was a big massive like like explosion to, to be a young kid it was like because you had star trek you had spock you had things like that but then you saw something that was at a different level and then you're like wow that's what a space opera can be 
And then, you know, as a kid, I was like, wow, that, that, we were so into it. I mean, I think I probably saw Star, the first Star Wars movie as a kid when it came out in the theaters. I probably saw it six times. And that's what was, we, we were so blown away by it. We just keep on asking our parents, can I see it again? Can I go see it again? Because, <laughs> you know, so I, I get the kind of, it's interesting that, you, that your generation is still affected by it. Yeah, I'm definitely a Star Wars person. That's that's really interesting because that that's from a 1970s idea <laughs> that's still getting inspiring people today, which is really cool. Um, so, like when you, um, I think I'll flip to one topic because it was interesting to me. Is you wrote some a poem about anti-bullying? Um, can you kind of speak to that? I think uh, I was trying to find the name of it, looking up your information, but uh, maybe you can speak to that song, that poem, trying to find it. Yeah, so um, when I was in middle school, I got bullied pretty badly, and I used poetry as a way to cope and as a way to express my emotions, and I wrote several different, I probably wrote actually hundreds of poems during that time, and there were a couple that were very um, influential and very impactful. One of the one of these was Needles and Thorns, and it was about yeah, how I felt my on. school administration. Yeah, it was about how I felt my school administration wasn't listening to me and how things were just getting really bad. And how, like, our school was basically in absolute denial that there was a serious problem. And I wrote it for a school project in seventh grade. And it resulted in um, my principal calling my mom about it because she was not very happy. And it made, I know it made a lot of parents upset, but it also um, really resonated with a lot of people. And it really went far. I still sometimes perform it at open mic nights to this day. And it's still one that I really think also, about. When, when you do so when you do open mic, you do poetry, or do you do like readings from your books too? I do poetry. Yeah, that's, that's a really cool. Have you ever thought of um, maybe work, taking your poems and working with musicians and turn them into songs, or are they straight poetry? I've thought about it. My mom always says like I should do that. And it's like I just don't know which poems because I have so many. I think I could definitely write songs if I um, really tried. Mm -hmm. I just I can't really sing. <laughs> I can't play an instrument. So. Mm -hmm. But you always be the writer. I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot of uh, musicians that, that can't write, you know, and they're yeah. looking for really good material. And so, like having somebody that can write, like you know, if you think about like Bernie Toppin and Elton John, yeah. and Bernie Toppin was the writer and Elton John's the singer. So yeah. like, a lot of times, writers you can find a way to get into it if that's your interest. You know, it seems like you're really into novels. But the yeah. fact that you, the way you when you mention poetry because that's always every musician I've ever talked to, every singer, songwriter, they always say that they started with poetry. Yeah. The, the I think poetry, poetry is always like a part of it. So. Yeah. Poetry and songwriting, I feel like, are very similar at the core. Just songwriting can be more, I was about to say songwriting can be more musical, but it's like obvious. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kind of starts to tell a story and then creates what I call a sound painting. Yeah. Which is kind of like the way movies are. So a song, you know, a poem doesn't have that music, but once you put the music to it, people will tell you that when they hear songs, it brings up imagery. And I think it's that combination of the music being tied to the words that kind of is like, like video in your head. Yeah. It's like your mind, like the way you, when a person reads your book, they see that, 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 you know, word picture. They get to, they get to see that world you're building. They see it songwriters we try to create that same kind of world yeah 
So when you build a world, do you do a lot of pre-work or do you feel it just kind of comes to you like the muse? Do you do a lot of like pre-planning or do you feel like it just starts to come and flow? Well, I like to say it depends on the book. However, um, I don't heavily plan my books. You know, there are some authors that they write really long descriptions for each scene, each chapter. They have everything mapped out perfectly. I'm not one of those people. Um, I think almost it's more difficult when I have to plan every single thing out in advance. And it makes the writing almost harder because there's less room to sort of, you know, go out on my own and just figure things out. Um, Mm -hmm. So what I do is I'm like a combination of both. I usually start writing with like a basic plot in mind, some characters. Sometimes I know how it's going to end. Other times I have absolutely no idea. Mm -hmm. And what I do is as I write, I develop new plot points and I just write them down. Sometimes it's like I'll say, I just want this scene to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. And it's up to me to try to bring the story to that place while also including everything else that I have like mapped out. Yeah, what I find is like I I deal with type of um, writing with music that some people will go out and they'll put it on the bars, right? They'll go on a sheet of paper and they'll they'll write it all out. I'm not that type of producer. I'm like, I go on a piano and I put it on my multi-track and I just say, you know what, I'm going to do stream of consciousness. And then I go back and I listen to it and then I start oh that that's there's the hook 15 minutes into it there's this now I'm going to go back and work on it and develop it so I'd rather just turn the, the the recorder on and just put something down and then you know not have any preconceptions just kind of let my artistic nature just go and just yeah. put it down and then go back do you feel that you do a stream of consciousness or like that type of style um, occasionally what I do when I just have no ideas, I just sit down and I just write, I just see where it goes and just see what comes up. And that can be very helpful for starting new books or just really coming up with ideas. Cause a lot of people find the blank page really, in, like really terrifying. I find it kind of inspiring just to be able to like put whatever I want and then just be able to create an entire book out of what was at one point, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like the idea that you can just, you know, sound painting, I can just start putting stuff down and put layers and layers and layers and you you have to put that first layer down like a painter you put the first you know pattern down you put the first uh layer of paint and you start to add things and it, you don't know where it was going to go but you had to start but at some point you have to like be able to start i think that's the thing with it being a creative person like you actually start and finish <laughs> yeah and then the world gets to see your work because they get to see your complete thought, you know, your complete vision. And I, I think that's always exciting when you can actually take what's in your head and actually get it to the rest of the world. I mean, do you find that, that that's very satisfying when you finally have your final, your fi- finished book and then you're able to present it? Or does, do you get, do you get like fearful of how people are going to deal with it? Or do you just let, let it go and go to the next one? When I'm scared of uh, how other people are going to think about my book, usually it's before anyone else reads it. It's in this stage of um, the process. Again, in that point where it's like, I'm so far in, but I also feel like there's so much more to go where I have to kind of just push through and get to the ending. And I'm like, oh, this book is so bad. I hate this. No one's going to like this. And the really only way to get around that is to have someone else read it, even if it's just the first chapter. 
and letting someone else kind of read it and hearing what they have to say is really good because I feel like almost all the time it's positive like feedback. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I understand that because uh, like when you go to have people listen to something, you know, that's new or, you know, if you're, if you're a painter and you want to show somebody your work, you don't know, like, is this terrible? Is this not, is, it, you get all that kind of fear, but as you get more books under your belt, do you feel like you've, you've getting more confident about like that you feel the yeah, yeah, people are going to, are going to understand this. Yeah, with every book I write, it gets easier. And also with every book I write, my writing gets better. If you look at like the writing in the first book I ever wrote to the like one I'm currently writing, it's so much better. And really, it's like, you know, everyone's like, well, I want to be a better writer, but I'm such a bad writer. You know, I can't write a book. I'm too bad. It's like the only way to become a better writer is to keep writing. And of course, you can do this by doing like writing exercises or writing short stories. However, um really writing novels I feel like there's such a significant improvement even from like the first chapter to the last chapter of like that first draft yeah I think uh I think as an artist the more you do it the better you're gonna get I mean it's just yeah. like you know it's like it's like why we rehearse like for a writer you don't rehearse you just keep on writing right <laughs> yeah um, so do you feel like you have to go and get additional like training or, or do you just feel like as a writer, the training is just to do more work? Do you feel you have to go and do workshops and do different things or, or do you feel like, um, that's necessary or not necessary for where you are right now? I think, um, it really, there are some writers, I think, that really do kind of need that extra support. It really depends on how much, like, I think it's obviously, like, it's entirely, like, kind of just depends. It's kind of your choice. If you want to take workshops or you want to work on your own, um, writing classes can be very helpful. It surprises people. Um, I've never taken a formal writing class. The first writing class I've ever taken is actually... Um, the one I'm currently, I mean, I'm currently in my school's creative writing class and it's my Mm -hmm. only for the semester. It's a really great class and it's kind of surprising, um, because there's still like a lot to learn and I'm like, well, I don't know if I really need to learn anything. I've written like 20 books and there really is still a lot to learn and there's a lot you can learn from other people and there's a lot of critique you can receive. So really, I don't think it's it's like you need to take them, but I think it actually is really helpful to take some classes and to really learn from other writers and really gain a new perspective. Um, because with writing, there's always something you can learn. So are, are you, um, are, I just want to make sure that we, we have enough time. Are you going to need to uh, leave in about five minutes? Is that like your- I can't believe so, to... yeah. Okay, that's fine. But so I just wanted to kind of talk about more about the the whole idea of that bullying poem did you were you able to to do anything to make your school handle it better after you after you know the whole thing happened has has there been any process to try to improve it based on what, what so, you wrote so it took i believe it was about 3 years since the really big thing things that happened um i'm currently at a new school um because i started high school so um mm. I switched schools after middle school and it took about, so 
th- it happened in sixth grade, then there was the pandemic, and it took until eighth grade for them to adapt an anti-bullying program, even though I've been asking for it for mm-hmm. two years. And um, when that program came about, I wasn't really involved. They didn't really let me. It's not that they didn't let me be involved in it, but I felt like I was kind of excluded from the process. Like no one told me it had started. All of a sudden, kids were some kids came up to me and were like, do you want to sign our pledge for our anti-bullying program? And I'm like, yeah. I And I, I kind of almost felt like no, no one, like they said they were going to do it. And then they were like, well, we're not. And all of a sudden it kind of happened and I was left out of it. So it's, I'm kind of salty about it. Um, yeah, 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 it's disappointing stuff. that they didn't um, include include somebody that actually kind of brought it to light you would think they want to have you be part of that and it's like they were like well you need to talk to this teacher and I'm like okay I will but I really like you know can you like because it was like really she she, one thing she was like she was like well you need to be part of um student ambassadors because they're going to run it out of student ambassadors and she was like I know you shouldn't do that um because that would involve giving towards the school. And I don't think they want to be giving towards the school. Um, so it was this whole kind of weird thing. And they were like, just, oh, we'll do this and do this. And it was like a bunch of kind of hoops that I had to basically jump over. And then in the end, they just kind of started it yeah. and didn't really leave. Like, they kind of left me out of it. And now that I'm out of that school, I don't really know how things are going. I don't um, – everyone that I talk to is in high school now and don't – I mean, they go to the school that's, like, connected to that school. However – um, I don't talk to anyone who's at the middle school, so I don't know how things are. Um, I worry that now that I'm not around, a lot of things will get by because I felt like I was constantly speaking up about things that were happening. And at times I felt like mm-hmm. I was the only one. Yeah. Well, that's, that's disappointing because I think it's a, my, my daughter had to go through that kind of thing. And when she ended up becoming homeschooled because the same kind of situation where the school didn't really respond. And then later, the school got hit with a lot of like bad news and all kinds of like newspaper reports and all kinds of bad things because they didn't take care of it. So I think like when, when there's a student or family that brings something up, they, they should respond in a more uh, uh, accommodating way, in my opinion. But I'm sorry that yeah. happened to you, but I'm glad you actually wrote about it and brought it to light. I think that's really cool as a creative person. That's a cool thing to do. Yeah, but I do know you have have are busy. But I want people to re- remind people that the link we have there, I actually um, made it shorter, easier to get to. Will bring you to your Amazon page. So that that link, if you use that, it's clear when this gets published. You're right to your Amazon profile, so you can find all, all your books. Thank you. So again, thank you for being on the show tonight. I know you're busy, probably have another appointment, but yeah, I love being able to talk to new people all the time. I do encourage people to go out to the link that we see below, thefound.e forward slash Herson, Hersonson, and uh, go and check that out. We do encourage people to click the links of, of the people that we interview so that you can get more information about her books and go on Amazon and check them out. So thank you again for being on the program. Thank you for having me. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.